Welcome to the Game Deflators Podcast, episode 52. My name is John, and I am joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we reveal Banksy's identity on today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Believe it or not, for people listening, I have no idea who Banksy is, so that's all Ryan. Hey, if uh, if you're still listening out in the UK, you get it. You'll like it. Sounds good, man. Uh, so, as always, let's start for pickups. I'll go first. I had a pretty large pickup this yeah, week pretty large pickup um if you're on our instagram you can check it out on instagram uh, i think it's on facebook and twitter as well i just threw it every year it, it was a pretty good and pickup. you could find us on all those places at the game deflators except for twitter where it's just game deflators they couldn't handle the thank you sir so yeah this week um let me turn my chair around here so i can just start rattling off games uh castlevania lords of shadow or lord of shadows one and two space marine Altered Species was a really cool one that was on there. It's like a vampire, I think it's Vampire Rain, Altered Species. Um, let's see, we've got Beatdown on the Xbox. I've got multiple God of War games I picked up. Uh, the Yakuza, yeah, Borderlands. Yeah, Yakuza and Borderlands. Uh, Singularity, which is actually one I have really wanted to play that one for a while. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place, dude. Metal Gear Solid HD Collection. Final Fantasy Twelve. Yeah, man. It's a collector's edition on that, by the way. I used to have that. Yeah. And uh, a couple Resident Evil games I didn't have. So overall, all PlayStation 3. If you want to check it out, check out our uh, Instagram at VGameDeflators. And there's plenty of other really cool photos on there as well. And did I pick up anything else? Um, I think that was it. I mean, that's a oh, pretty good oh. haul. Um, God, I forget the name. I, I don't remember the name. It's a RPG. It's all blue on the cover and it's got like this white figure on the front of a male it's on ps4 the archivist or x archivist i, have I no don't idea. remember the x archive I, I have no idea i don't remember the name it was like eight bucks so i bought it cool yeah well that's new? it for my pickups what's that eight bucks new uh i don't remember where'd you no, get yeah, it? new ebay oh ebay okay I, I, I was thinking you ordered it from someplace and i was like well you would know if it's new or not yeah and then something else i want to get is and game grinder actually posted this the other day so it caught my attention is blasphemous on the uh, nintendo switch and ps4 it's an indie game that came I out not too no long idea. ago it's uh, metroidvania hmm. and it seems like i'm really into metroidvanias lately so dude who isn't yeah that's true uh what what have you been playing I, did, I didn't pick anything up. Nobody's surprised. Yeah, I'm I do surprised. have one thing about pickups. I'm thinking about dropping Apple Arcade because I really haven't used it in the last like week or two. I tried a whole bunch of the games. A lot of them were like pretty entertaining while I was checking them out. But I've just been playing so much more real games lately that I haven't really felt the need. And I don't really keep my iPad on me when I'm out of the house too much. And even if I do, I've got my game boy so i'm thinking about ending my test run with this the one thing i need to do there's a new one that came out that's bullshit i can't get around doing like a side scroller like Mega Man on a phone with touch controls is too much for me like i can't do stuff like that i don't think so, anybody can yeah so i was thinking about trying to hook up my dualshock 4 to the iPad and trying some of these games that seem like they would be better with a controller. I just haven't gotten around to it. Makes sense. Uh, so as far as what I'm recently playing, as you had asked, uh, this week, I honestly didn't even do anything gaming wise. Really? Which, yeah. So slow week for you. Uh, yeah. Well, not a slow week. It was just busy. Um, 
started out the weekend doing some yard work and then putting in a door and I've been messing with that the last couple days. Um, our friend's dog, as you know, yeah. shoot up a lot of stuff in our house. So I uh, just started doing some drywall yesterday, and it's just been like straight out housework. for But no gaming. No gaming whatsoever, which absolutely sucks. We did go check out my wife and I, though. Uh, they're doing at the Flicks Brewhouse out in Chandler. Uh, they've been doing a Harry Potter marathon type thing. So they're showing like every single movie in theaters each night. So we saw the first three movies, which is really cool. And we're going to, I guess, continue to marathon at home versus it's like, you know, 13 bucks every time we want to go see it. So yeah. rather than do that, we'll do the next few at home. There you go. Yeah. So it's been a, outside of that, it's been a very unproductive gaming and nerd week for me well i have been doing all kinds of gaming this week and none of it has anything to do with my new games resolution you do realize that we're in november right? i know i'm cutting it close how many I like hours to keep people left? on their toes i don't know dude it's like a seven hour game i probably played like three hours of it but probably you know i mean i played more than three hours because i tried to fight that boss a bunch of times i recently messaged an old friend who was like kind of the person that got me into this in the beginning and uh he said he always has a hard time with that fight too well i haven't been playing that what i have been playing is more little town hero which is a huge mixed bag on that one dude i read a few reviews i'm like five chapters or six chapters into it i think out of like 14 chapters so i'm like almost halfway there and you know what the reviews said are pretty true it kind of sucks because it got really sandbagged like if you look at its metacritic score the user score is pretty bs because there's a whole bunch of people in there that are just whining and they're like well this is why we're not getting a full pokemon game because they devoted resources to this it's shut up dude you can't give a game a zero because pokemon's not gonna be as good as you hoped it was gonna be and it's pokemon like you've had i don't know 12 other games before it so yeah who cares but so the criticisms with this game, it's not a perfect game. It's definitely like a seven kind of game. Is it like Bethesda bad or? No, no, no. It's just, it's definitely got all the same problems Game Freak has. Like if this was like Pokemon, it would be like a little bit older Pokemon in the sense that like you have a whole bunch of different attacks but you only have like one attack animation. So everything looks the same and everything always takes that time. The strategy element in the combat, I really dig. Sometimes the numbers get like a little overwhelming and sometimes you're absolutely just in a situation where you're screwed and you literally just can't do anything and it's just all RNG, but that's what happens when you do these kind of deck builder kind of games. But the more I play it, the more I really get into the strategy of it and the more I think like those situations where it really seems hopeless, like that can turn around really quick. And I've had a lot of battles where it's like, man, I'm going to have to do this whole fight over again. And the fights can be fairly long. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to do this whole thing over again. And then I just get like one really good turn and I can roll that momentum all the way through the rest of the fight. One thing the game does really good is it, gives you the opportunity to learn from your mistakes and it gives you like some mini tutorials that make you kind of think around the situations in different ways and i really like all the different approaches and i really like how they're 
trying to kind of build this whole ideas and actions thing into really a, a deeper way to kind of think about the combat because it's not just what you're doing right now and doing all this stuff. There's so much like setting up for the next move that like once you start to get into a little bit later in the game, like where I'm at and you have like more abilities, there's a lot more depth that I think that you're going to get if you spend more than just like an hour or two with the game. I think it's hard to like and the story and the characters are really wishy-washy, whatever kind of stuff. But the combat system is interesting enough that I'm going to keep going with it. And we'll see if they ever do anything with it again. Is the combat system kind of like the Final Fantasy X combat system? Where no, it's you nothing. Know, no. Where, like, you know what's going to be coming up. No, and you, you can have, pick and choose abilities. Well, you have, like, when you start off, you get, like, a draw of five ideas. And you can turn those ideas into actions. But you need a certain amount of, like, energy to be able to do that. And, like, every four turns, you get one more point of energy to start off each yeah. round with but your opponent you there are cues that you can learn like i just lost a battle this morning and i looked at the hint afterwards and it was like oh when he gets purple under him that means next turn his attacks are all going to have piercing on them so try to get rid of high damage attacks before then gotcha so there's like queuing like that like the enemy has like abilities that are like if you break this idea it's going to counterattack and deal three damage directly to you, which doesn't take a long time to chew through your defenses before you're already losing. And if you don't break it next turn, it's going to be a five one, which if it has piercing is going to, you have to have a strong defense and it's probably going to destroy whatever you have, which makes it harder to build your advantage back up. And this boss is just really hard because all of its stuff is counterattacks and very strategic. So I actually have to use, I have to use more of the game board, the game board element of it, where depending on which turn, like which square you're in or circle you're on, you may have access to a different ally who can boost something for you or do something for you, or like a cannon or a chicken or something that you can use against your enemy to whittle their defenses down without directly engaging them. And so it's like, really, I didn't think it would go that far to make me have to think that hard and push that hard, but... It's definitely challenging. Like, as much as this looks like a, a kid's game, I feel like this would be really frustrating as a kid if you're just like, what is all this numbers? Yeah, I mean, I can look back at a lot of games I played as a child, and, and it sounds kind of like that. Um, a good example would be when I was probably eight or nine years old and attempting to play Icewind Dale and Neverwinter Nights. Had no flipping idea what I was doing yeah. at that point. I, I might not have been eight. I might have been a little older. But those were games that I just wasn't fully accustomed to mm -hmm. into playing and just kind of throwing myself into that position. Like, while it was fun, it wasn't as fun as it could be now. And hence why I'm waiting for Neverwinter Nights to come out on the Switch. Yeah. So what else are you playing, dude? I see like uh, a whole two, three lines over yeah, here. Yeah, I've been playing Link to the Past Steady on my Game Boy. I'm up to Skull Woods now. You're just going steady with Link to the Past? Yeah. I mean, I just, I get a little bit of time here. I get a little bit of time there. I've always got my Game Boy on me. It was a dating joke. Yeah, okay, I yeah. got you. But uh, that's going pretty good. I've never made it this far in Link to the Past, so I'm pretty stoked to be getting through this. I've got, like, almost all the items now. So If I... you beat this before Zone of the Enders... Oh, no, there's no way I will. Are I'm you... I'm going to try really hard to beat Zone of the Enders by next week. 
You heard um, that, folks. He is going to try to beat Zona Vienna really next hard week. this time. Uh, and then also, my wife started playing Fallout Four, so I've been her guide through what I know about that game, and we're kind of working together to get through it because there's parts that she likes and parts that she doesn't, and I can help with those. And I could sit there and do like play Little Town Hero while she's playing that. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's actually a good way to do it. Yeah. So that's uh that's what i've been playing you haven't been playing anything but you know who has been playing stuff me no i'm just kidding so fyi on that i am going to be jumping back into uh batman arkham city Mm -hmm. pretty soon although all of these awesome games i just picked up i don't think you realize how tempted i am to just play any of these like all of them well dude just give yourself like just take a day and play like 30 minutes of each game as long as you can yeah you know, like, and like do as many of those games as you can for 30 minutes each except for final fantasy 12 last time i tried starting final fantasy 12 was the first like i played that game for like two sit downs i still need to try to get on it that yeah. i've been thinking about final fantasy 12 for my new games resolution for next year i'm actually really tempted so cartridge club uh, i think i invited you to that on facebook they're currently doing Metal Gear Solid 3 for their game of the month. Uh-huh. And I kind of want to play that one because I never did beat Snake Eater for some reason. I've beaten, like, all the others but Snake Eater, which is really odd, you know, when you think about it. So um, I might do the game of the month with them, and it'll be pretty cool. You You're know? not going to beat it in a month. What, Snake Eater? Yeah. I don't think it's that long of a game, is it? I don't think you have that much time. Probably not, but I can still play it with them. Well, anyways, that ties perfectly into what I was going to transition into before that's not up here. Direct your eyes at me, John, which is something that everybody's been playing lately. At least anybody who got their hands on a review copy early Death Stranding comes out this week. Tomorrow, in fact. Hmm. Yeah, the reviews on it haven't been good. Well, they've been mixed. Some people say it's the best you know like free kojima let him do what he wants to do and like have this awesome auteur vision that creates i mean i've heard people saying this is a new genre of game which is exciting to hear but i've read like probably three or four or five reviews now and some of the negative reviews say things that just make me not really that interested in the game and none of it has to do with like the really weird aspects of the story of the game but just like i don't know man some of it seems like it's gonna be a big hill to climb to really get into this game so i'm really thinking that i know i've talked about this for a while too the uh game fly i think that i'm definitely not gonna buy death stranding I'm definitely not going to buy it. I'm definitely going to find a way to rent that and try that out because it just it seems like it's going to be a big load of stuff. And I'm not a Kojima veteran. I've never I played like an hour or three of Metal Gear Solid one. And that's it. You're literally playing Zone of the Enders right now. Well, but I mean, like Zone of the Enders. Zone of the Enders, I get as a concept, and it's not as weird as, like, Metal Gear Solid and Death Stranding. Metal like, Gear Zone Solid the... is not that weird. Yeah, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Come on, really? How's yes, it, it weird? is. With all the, like, timeline stuff and, like, Big Boss and Ocelot and, 
There's a lot of stuff in there that's very, very weird, like the Patriots. and I'll give you like the story. I know a lot about it. I've watched a ton of videos on Metal I'll, Gear. But... I'll give you the story component part being kind of like all over the place and timeline. That's being what wonky. I'm talking about. Okay, I, I get yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not but... talking about the gameplay. I'm talking about... Well, Death Stranding is just a weird-ass game from what well, I've seen. That's a weird-ass on both ends. But yeah, that's, that's one of the things, you know, this week I've seen a lot of that going on. And I've also seen a lot of people talking about all these Pokemon leaks going on. And people just seem... Poke leaks. Yeah, people seem like there's these games that they've been built up all this hype for. And then one thing just doesn't really fit what they thought. And it's like we see that hype train kind of crashing again. Every so often we see these big hypes. And then it's kind of like, ah. Like we were all excited. This is going to be Pokemon for a console. What can they possibly... Oh, it's... It's mostly mostly the same. Mostly the same mostly with the elements same. of Let's Go popped in, which you're well, still stuck in Mount Moon. Yeah. I think I might have just got the Cinnabar Island the last time I played it. And then there's Death Stranding, and it's like, oh, this big magnum opus, and then it's like people are like, I don't know, it might be too weird, might have been a better movie. It, well, I mean, you can always watch all the cutscenes on well, YouTube. Well, and he announced that he's going to start making movies in the future. He said that, like... Probably within the next four or five years, I think it was, that he sees his studio producing films. The mind of Kojima creating films is well, just... Well, it's what he's always oh. wanted. Dude, can you imagine him teaming up like Guillermo del Toro? He is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but on a film aspect, not a game. aspect. was like, next time we do this in my house. Oh my god, dude. Um... Well, let's get to our first bit of news. We got a lot of news this week. We do got a lot of news. I just wanted to talk about those things because those were kind of fresh in my mind. And I wanted to see what you thought a little bit. You know, hey, audience, let us know if you're doing the Death Stranding, if you're building that super highway and helping everybody out, or if uh, time has washed away everything. I'm going to interrupt Ryan here. Nintendo boss Bowser on Switch Lite sales, 3DS support, and tiny retro consoles. This comes from uh, Andrew Webster at The Verge. And Ryan has some notes here. I'll let you go through because well, uh, so, I read the article, but not all the way. Yeah, so in this article, it was just an interview with Doug Bowser, and they kind of ask him a, a lot about, a, or a little about a lot of different subjects. Um, one, they talked about the Switch Lite. Everybody loves the Switch Lite. I thought it was going to be like, meh. A lot of people, I think, thought it was going to be like, meh. But I thought it was going to be people meh. love it. 43% of Switch Lite owners are buying the device as a second system. People that already own Switch, 43% of Switch Lite buyers, it's their second console. Like, that's crazy. I understand maybe you had like, okay, we'll get the older boy, you know, uh, Switch and he can hand his DS down to his sister and she can hand the you know 2ds down to the younger brother i was about to say man if you said game boy i was going to be all over no you on no that. kids kids that young don't have game boy kids that young have no idea what a game boy is it so it's a smartphone i i think that's like a fun thing that's cool i like the switch light as an idea i'm cool with that but um you know the thing is that the biggest advantage of it is that it's building the switch market not competing with the switch market like uh he talks about the 3DS. They're still going to keep supporting the 3DS into 2020 at least. I mean, who knows beyond that. But more Switch Lite means more money for Switch stuff and more people enjoying the Switch, which isn't 
isn't a bad thing. It's not like when they did the DS 3DS kind of thing. And then uh, they talk about Joy-Con Drift. And he mostly just brushes that off. He doesn't really have a whole lot of interesting stuff to say about yeah, that. that. That part I did notice. It was kind of brushed under like, yeah, we try to, you know, put out a quality product. And yeah, just it was, basic. It was more of the, we know we screwed up type of thing and we're working on it. That's kind of how that came off. What I did find interesting in that article, by the way, is it said a majority of the new purchases of those Switch lights are through women. Did you oh, catch did that it part? Say that? Yeah, it's uh, just above that section on the um, uh, what we just talked about. So yeah, it does say on there. So what it's basically talking about is that the Switch Lite is broadening their overall market. Mm, that's uh, good. Which is really interesting when you think about it. like why would they have like a higher percentage of women picking up the Switch Lite versus you know before like why what's the difference in that that makes it more appealing to I guess women in this case. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it more of you know, when you look at it, maybe they're not gaming necessarily. They're buying it for younger kids. You know, it, I'm not sure entirely on that end. But I mean, gaming's gone a lot more broad, you know, spectrum. More people are gaming in general these days than used to. And there's been, uh, you know, no end to new markets opening up. Like, it's always surprising to see how high the numbers of sales get for these when you think that's a ton of people with disposable income out there that are all ready to invest in these new platforms i i really was cautious with the ps4 purchase i waited for that to drop down but i got the switch you know within the first year and i feel like a lot of people maybe kind of waited off to see how it was but now with the switch Lite, it wouldn't surprise me that more people on the edge of gaming see this is a great way to jump in because they maybe just want that kind of portability but in a lighter, easier package, and they have no intention of hooking it up to the screen. So here's uh, that part about the, the different audience. So it says, uh, I'll talk to the inverse, which is 57% of consumers are new to the Nintendo Switch family, and it's equally important to us to continue to expand the audience. And then he go, goes on to say, one of the important trends we're seeing is Nintendo Switch Lite has a higher percent of female consumers that are buying the Switch Lite, which is a strong indicator of an appeal to a broader audience. Exactly. So it's interesting how this is working out. I mean, I've obviously crapped all over it, and we crapped all over our buddy a long time ago um, that predicted the Nintendo Switch Lite. And uh, I still think it's a stupid idea, to be honest, but it sold what on there? It said uh, 1.7 million consoles or something? Yeah, or, it's like a ton. Yeah, so well, it's not ton necessarily, but the Switch... 1.85 million units in its first month. That's a ton. Yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, and then life sales, I think they said were, what, 40 million for the Switch and Switch Lite in general? Uh, Switch is 40 million. Which yeah. pales in comparison to the PlayStation 4, which I think is past 100 million now. Yeah, yeah, I just read about that. Uh, but it is going to pass the Super Nintendo sometime soon, it says in here. Yeah, it says it's encroaching on Super Nintendo sales territory. And then last but le- not least, Super Nintendo... Uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to get that N64 little mini, mini N64 anytime soon. It seems like that uh, that ship has maybe sailed for now because now that they have Super Nintendo support on Switch. But they don't have N64 support. Yeah, but what do you think is going to be next? Maybe. I mean, imagine them slowly over time building up a library of 
All right, we'll add a few new NES, a few new Super Nintendo. We'll do that for a little while. And then we'll start throwing in like a couple N64, launch like, you know, a starter pack of like 16, and all that's just a part of your yearly $20. Maybe they can even bump it up to 30 if they add in N64. But, you know, there would be more benefits for them to draw this out than to release these little mini consoles. And I think that we can really see how the bubble on that went. It was so successful with the first one. It was really successful with the second one. Then PlayStation dropped the ball super hard and yeah, never Sega, picked it back up. But Sega did a pretty good job on theirs that they released. But the the market is not... Like, I feel like if Nintendo, nobody's going to fall for that a fourth time. Oh, dude, totally. Everybody would buy an N64 Mini. That'd probably be their best-selling one. But it would one. have to be more money if they were going to have four controllers. It's a four-controller console. Not having an N64 with four controllers... I'm going to shoot myself in the foot no on point. this. Totally going to shoot myself in the foot on this. Because if it happens, then I'll have to spend that type of money. If So if they did a couple things. One of them could be support of old N64 controllers, which probably wouldn't happen the other thing i don't think the console would be big enough to even plug four in four ports yeah totally dude you can put four on the front of that nintendo or super nintendo mini yeah you can look at the the little port take uh take that and then line it up with the n64 controller in there there's a lot of noise in the background now you could totally on an if you made it just a little bit bigger it'd be perfect that would work it'd look stupid but it would work so Point being is Nintendo can print money with these consoles and an N64 mini would be extremely popular and they could very easily have one controller that comes with it, sell the entire thing for 80 bucks and then sell the other controllers for 25 to 30 and people would eat it up, dude, especially multiple colors. I still think the best way to do it would be to do like a retro Game Boy with everything inside of it. That'd be rechargeable cool battery that yeah. would backlit screen i think that that would be the money maker but that's not happening not anytime soon so says bowser but you know what you can get your hands on soon John. black friday sales black friday sales that's right buddies we've got uh from uh, i've never heard of this uh but play the playstation bras.com the playstation bras yep b-r-a-h-s uh, uh, as in bros, yeah. bros. What's up, bro? Okay, all right. So cool. your deals this month, bra, by Thomas Williams, bra, of the PlayStation bra. bras. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of deals going on. So you can get a PS4 uh, looks with God of War, I with think. God of War, The Last of Us, and Horizon. So those are obviously we talked about it earlier. Those are the best games. That's I think that's the PS5 top selling list. So Other than Last PS4, of Us, two of those made my list. And then uh, you can get a PSVR with that looks Resi awesome. Seven, Astrobot, something I can't read, Skyrim, and something else I can't read for two hundred dollars. Dude, that's actually a fantastic deal. Um, blows anything I think from last year out of the water. I'm still not getting it though because I want to wait for the next VR. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of stuff coming out. John, how do you usually approach Black Friday? Like, I know you're wheeling and dealing all year round and getting all the crazy, you know, stuff. Like, are you compelled by Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales? Like, what do you usually look for? Have you waited in lines? you have horror stories? Horror stories? Uh, No, I actually like to watch people go crazy and then I just kind of swoop in and grab one game I want. Uh, I don't usually do the whole... um, 
like going to the store thing that much. It depends on what the deal is, obviously. So I'm trying to think of some games I bought recently. Um, last Black Friday, I got the Uncharted game at GameStop. Uh, or no, God of War. I picked it up for like $10. It's still going for 20 now, so it's a good deal. Um, the Uncharted Lost Legacy I got for like 10 bucks. Really what I do is I try to find AAA titles that have been out for a year or two that I haven't picked up yet and pick them up for like 10 bucks. So your Black Friday is just like the rest of your year. It's looking for not this year's hit at the $40, you know, price tag. You're looking for two years ago hit with that $20 price tag. even a year before. I mean, and sometimes I'll get, like last year we picked up Assassin's Creed, um, is it Origins? The Egyptian one? Or, yeah, one of the two. Yeah. And um, we picked up for like 20 bucks. And then Odyssey was on sale for like 35 or 30 in mm-hmm. some places. So, you know, we'll pick up a AAA title if we want. I typically will pick them up if it's games that I know are not going to go back down to that price anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I'll generally grab those. My go-to is usually Walmart and Target for Black Friday. But I like to do the whole Amazon thing because it's super quick. I just go on, pick a couple games, buy it. I'm done. They're there a couple days later. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I do find that I'm a little more interested in picking up the previous year's titles or big titles. And then a couple years before that, anything that they're looking to kind of no longer have in stock typically is what that is. And I just, I have such a bad back catalog. I mean, if you look at, my wall i mean there's so many games on there it doesn't bug me to pick up a title from a couple years ago yeah and just have it sit there yeah of course especially not. if i'm picking up new for ten dollars i still have stuff on the wall here that shrink wrapped because i just haven't opened it in fact i think i have some black friday stuff from last year that hasn't been opened so oh actually ukulele i think it was one of those there that i picked go. up last year and i just beat that not too long ago so that is my approach on Black Friday, sir. Oh, and GameStop. GameStop usually has buy two, get one free Okay. on Black Friday. And that's always a pretty good deal regardless. So if you have some uh, old trade-ins, old controllers, stuff like that, always pretty cool to go in there for a buy two, get one free. In fact, that's what I did, was it last week or the week before when I got Concrete Genie? Yeah. Um, you know, I traded in some stuff and I had a buy two, get one free deal going on at that point. Good. So, Yep. That's about it on Black Friday. You got anything else, man? Well, in less exciting news and less capitalism news, we have China cracks down on online gaming with curfew and time limits. This is uh, China. This is by Fraser Brown of PC Gamer, and this was a meaty article talking about. There's about 10 of these articles that came up today, by the way. Everybody yeah. was covering this thing. Yeah, so I've heard about this a little bit earlier when I heard talk about the social credit system that they're planning on implementing. But basically, they're putting hard crack down on gaming in China for minors. It's going to be like a set limit and like identity registration to be able to... I'm going to try and remember Even. the article here, but I think it was 16 to 18 years of age. They were limited on how it's much money. under they 18s. Well, no, there's limits on 16 to 18, too. So 16 to 18, they're limited on how much they can spend. It's like oh, 50, yeah. $59 a month 57 or something US. per month for 16 to 18, and anybody under that 
uh, caps out at 29 a month. Yeah, and then for those that are younger than 16, I want to say the limits. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. But the time limits were they had about three hours a day that they were allowed to do. It's and then 90 during- minutes of online gaming during the week and three hours per day on weekends and public holidays. Yeah, and then it's certain times they're not allowed to play. So it's like 10 a.m. or midnight to 8 a.m. 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Yeah, 10 p.m., sorry. So, yeah. You keep trying to remember it. I'll just read. Yeah, there you go. That's fine. Uh, But, yeah, dude, I well, I'm trying to show you. I read the article, Ryan. (laughs) I believe you. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, this is the one I did share today. Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how this affects gaming in China because gaming is a huge lucrative market, right? And they have esports there. They obviously that's, have some sort of big thing of Blizzard, clearly. Yeah, that's so, the uh, that's the other angle I wanted to tackle. This was the esports angle. Yeah, I mean, how does this? We've talked about this in the past, like the whole social credit system and how that might work. Well, now it's a straight up like, hey, we're trying to combat gaming addiction by limiting how much you can play. But there's such a, a lucrative market in gaming. I guess they do have a lot of people living there. I mean, if you consider like compared to the u.s it's what three to four times the amount of people well and it's mostly mobile gaming mobile gaming is like the biggest aspect of like you know steal your money and your time kind of thing besides like heavy pc games like i i've got here uh this is an article from a while ago and i was trying to find some figures and this kind of just gave me a good enough look to kind of analyze this kind of through it uh this was on pan daily by david lee back in june of this year and it's talking about dota 2 in china and it roughly accounts for about 55 percent of all matches played every day so half the matches of this worldwide game are being played in china or by chinese speaking people that are kind of roughly lumped into the same you know categories on this but if you think like 40 to 50 percent like if those people don't get access to you know dota and like what portion of those people are these young age like that's a that's a huge dropout for that company's like retention anybody that has like these grindy long you know just play this game forever on your computer games like those games are quickly going to not like being in an environment where they're not allowed to sell as much as they want to their customers and where they're not allowed to be there as uh, an entertainment source for their customers, which is what they really want. And I get that, you know, in some aspects, it's supposedly probably trying to help people and protect these kids. I get that. And that's not a bad thing, but some people are really going to be hurt by this. Like, especially like in the pro communities, like Dota two China has like all kinds of great farm teams. Like they're the biggest region, like so much of, dota in china and the way they approach dota comes from like having such a vast player base but like if you start cutting these people down that aren't pros that don't necessarily have good excuses for being 16 and being you know a world ranked dota player like unless you can somehow have your parents get permission from the government to let you play more games you're quickly going to see a fallout in how many people of below that age range are actually going to be able to break into those upper limits because they're not going to be able to practice hard enough. They're not going to be able to do the stuff to keep 
up with the rest of the world and keep up with the people who this doesn't apply to. Yeah, and I, I was reading in that article, it said something along the lines of like three hours on a weekend isn't even long enough to do like some raids. Uh, some yeah, games. I would suppose so. Not in like World of Warcraft. Yeah. I don't know how long those take. But well, think about the 90 minute component of that like hey you're limited to 90 minutes on weekdays and then what three hours on weekends yeah that's super tough yeah 90 minutes is not i mean dude there's days where i sit here and i might spend two three hours on a game and i don't feel like i got anywhere well now there's obvious there's obviously no way they can use this system to regulate everything like if you've got a switch as long as you're not playing like an online game like Fortnite or something i'm assuming you're going to be able to switch all day like, it's only going to be, like, you know, always online, you know, MMO or match-based games, you know, like Fortnite or, you know, I think really, server games like Minecraft probably with friends. I think what they're looking to do is not necessarily treat gaming addiction, but more gambling addictions. I think it's the most addictive games that are going to be hit hardest by this, and it's just unfortunate that well, some a lot of, those of those games, games are games though, that I appreciate. Well, a lot of those games are like your Fortnites and League of Legends yeah. and things that have like cosmetic purchases, yeah. and, and really, it's kind of tied in on gambling in a sense, and I can see them doing this from more of a gambling perspective than an actual gaming perspective because i can sit on my couch and play two three hours of a game but i'm not actively spending more money and the fact that it even calls out that kids of certain ages can't spend more than like 29 bucks a month yeah other ones can't spend more than 57 leads me really to believe more on this being gambling versus gaming now if they do something to change that the way they approach that, I mean, the gaming companies like if Blizzard is going to say, OK, well, we're only going to be able to get this much money out of them now. I wonder if they're going to be able to use that to tune their rubric, because if you can only spend that much a month and you don't get anything good at all that month, you're probably going to be way less likely to be chomping at the bit to spend that money, you know, the first day of the next new month. And if you don't get anything again that's going to be a huge turnoff to be just like literally months away like not even being able to just pay your way through the bs that they built up and if they start having like different distributions which i know they already do in different markets but there's no way they can like conscientiously sell to other countries like america you know hundreds of dollars of cosmetics that are crap that you don't want before you get one and then let it be in China where you can only spend $30 a month. Well, we want all 30 of that. So we better reward them more frequently. Like if they start doing stuff like that, that'll be real shady. I mean, in some ways this really, you know, heavy censoring Chinese rule law that's being brought down here, like a hammer is really showing a disparity between like, how much do we respect these companies to just steal from, kids and steal from people that can't control themselves or know better like hard limits are a good thing and that's actually kind of an interesting and good point about this law is that it's not going to be these people aren't going to be taken the way that we could be taken yeah makes sense dude i mean they have a very particular set of skills yeah a very particular set of skills that only allows them to spend 57 dollars a month does that article actually go into anybody over the age of 18 or is it just younger kids uh, no i believe that once you're over the age of 18 you are no longer a kid yeah you're able to do whatever you want yeah so okay 
That makes sense. Uh, well, let's get into our inflation deflation for this week. Yeah. So this week, we took our uh, our magic paintbrush and we threw up some weird ghosts and lit up some lights and we dived right on into Concrete Genie. Dude, I've wanted to play this game for quite a while now. We talked about it probably when I first heard of it. And I remember was, talking about it at E3. It was one of the ones that I wrote a check mark next to. Yeah, that was one that I was definitely excited to to get a copy. And a week after it came out, actually like three days after it came out, I traded up uh, some controllers to pick that up. And I paid $30 for it new, which I have no shame in admitting that. Um, so while you were looking something up, developer is Pixel Ops, it looks like, or is that Pixel Opus? Pixel Opus. And uh, publisher is Sony Interactive, so I guess this is an exclusive. And Dominic Robillard? Dude, my eyesight's terrible. Yeah, Robillard or something Robillard. like that was the director. Yeah. Sorry, And it Dominic. was released uh, 10 8, 19 And the reception has been fairly good. You're looking at 7 out of 10 on here, but I've seen a lot in the 9 out of 10 and 10 out of 10 that's, ranges that's as an well. aggregate. Yeah. It's about, I think uh, Metacritic was like a 74 or something. Yeah, so it's not too bad. And uh, we'll go into some quick pricing. We've got... Okay, well, yeah, so... We'll, uh, just do, we'll just do the overall pricing and we'll kind of yeah, go I mean, into the it's game. It's still a new game. You can still go buy this game for 30 bucks. 30 bucks new. 30 yeah. bucks new. Uh, it's weird looking at a price charting for a game this new. Like, the graphs are all wonky because they're just straight lines because it's literally only been a month. Mm-hmm. So uh, this uh, actually the newest game we've done a review on. Yeah, apparently the complete inbox is saying twenty one ninety nine, and loose is eighteen ninety nine, and that's just based off of like a sale. Yeah, you know people aren't really eBay. trading this. You know, getting around on online too much yet, but that's because it's too new. It's too new. Well, when I went to GameStop to initially pick this up, they had one copy new in stock and there were no used copies of that particular store. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, we can get a used copy of this store like 12 miles away. And they only had one. And yeah. it was like $3 difference. So like by the time I use my gas to get down there, You'll, yeah. I'm going to end up spending what I would have spent new. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful game. It looks just like this is what I was looking at. Up. It looks just like the work by uh, Leica Studios. They do the Paranorman and uh, Coraline, Kubo and the Two Strings. It's, it's got that stop motion, you know, crafted, animated kind of feel. And I think that it would have, uh, you know, fit right in alongside of those kind of yeah, and as you products. mentioned Kubo, it's right up there in terms of the uh, overall animation, yeah. which I actually really liked. And the aesthetic, like the choices of the character design are similar in ways. And, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be quite frank with you, John. I think that as soon as we turned this game on, it looked absolutely gorgeous. And as soon as I took that controller in my hand, I was like, this controls a lot better than I thought it looked like it did when you were playing it like the controls of moving your character around and stuff but the painting aspect of this game and and the creative element that's supposed to be in it is a little wonky to control but the ability to like really change the the look and feel of your environment in ways that you know you can not quite express yourself but you can 
you know, add flourishes and do in your own kind of way is really unique and nice. Well, I want you to remember one thing on the controls here. This game also is VR compatible. That's so you what would I have... feel like would be way better. I feel like yeah. this would be way better in VR. And I have motion. So it's also motion control compatible as well without VR, From if I recall. So I do have motion controls. So if we ever want to revisit this one, could straight up use motion controls and see how that feels. Yeah, I bet it feels way nicer. The six axis thing just never really felt great to me. No, I mean, it never did. When I played Layer back in the day on PS3, it never really did kind of yeah. click for me. Uh, There's some games that it works well, but others like like Warhawk was absolutely terrible. Six mm. axis. Uh, but so I'll go into kind of my viewpoint on the game on this beautiful game art style wise i like the music in it the controls i felt were pretty fluid for what we were i mean we paid i paid 30 bucks for this game and yeah. you said it was like a five hour game so i think if you eight wrote, hours for like a full completionist run which so you're gonna isn't bad yeah you're gonna stretch stretch your money around this one break that down to a movie ticket at two hours you know for a movie and yeah. you're looking at about 30 bucks at six hours of gameplay if you yeah. did it that way so it's pretty equivalent to a movie price if you looked at it from that perspective in terms of entertainment value mm -hmm. and uh i would say that so far the story we really just did we the did the introductory intro. piece yeah we got is, a good feel for the tutorial and the setup and the world yeah and i would like to play it more i mean i was pretty engaged with what we were doing despite being disengaged at the same time I thought it was really cool. Um, I liked the uh, the components that we were, you know, going through the lighthouse and going ahead and being able to choose the different types of paint and everything and different types of drawings we wanted yeah, to Yeah, I've up. never played anything that has quite this approach to it. It is like a well-considered, easy-to-manage approach, and it seems like with a game of this length, it's not going to get overly... Cun cumbersome and tiresome and like oh this again i've already been doing this for so long well like, we don't know i don't yet. think it could that, be that feels like it's gonna wear in given how short the game is at five to eight hours i don't feel like it'll get to that point. yeah it should be a nice comfy ride like you can see how many other types of like painting and stuff you need to unlock and you get kind of a feel like i've got an idea of where this is gonna go as a story what it seems like but it should be a good ride it looks like and you know it's something that i would play one thing that i'm and this is kind of a detour from what we're discussing now uh but one thing i've absolutely loved about this generation of games both on the switch and on the uh, ps4 is the ability to pick up games at 30 dollars, just straight out indie yeah. games you know physical copies 30 bucks it gets rid of that whole idea of like you have to pick up a game at 60 dollars or yeah. 70 whatever it may be like this is a really cool game from what we've played so far, it's 30 bucks new. Like, come on. Like, it's half the price of some $60 games that have the same amount of content, story-wise. Yeah. Uh, John, it sounds it sounds to me like you're saying that this game is, is, is deflated at launch? At launch deflated? No. I think it's... Per Dude, five hours of gameplay at the minimum, 30 bucks. I think the launch price right on target now well, what i of will course say the launch price is on target but i mean is that what is I, that what it's worth i oh yeah for sure which means the complete in box i think it's definitely deflated at 21.99 i think if you pop, pop this into your uh if you can collection get this at 25 eight bucks off right now do it oh yeah for sure even five dollars off pick it up like this it's a great game from what we did so far
Now, me, I think that I'm going to say that this does look like a great game, but this looks like a great game that I would wait until it's like 15 bucks. Well, I mean, it won't take that long to get there, but dude, I mean, at 22 right now, complete in box, if you want to be with the trend and the cool kids that are trying to uncover Banksy. All those other people you see out there covering Concrete Genie this week. Dude, there was a lot of coverage on this game, actually. Well, I mean, that was like a month ago. I wasn't really looking at it then. Oh, well, I was. I know you was. I, I, <laughs> that's not right. Uh, okay, so where are you at overall in price? I think that I would pay $15 for this, and I would be happy to do so. So you think at the current price point, given that it's a month old, it is inflated at $21.99? Just like everything else a month old, John. It's overrated. Overrated. All right, well, we have mixed reviews on this one. It might be around that 7 out of 10. Uh, but... I'm going to go ahead. Like I said, man, it's deflated at $21.99. You're in it at inflated at $21.99. Yep. Which means it's the perfect price point. Right? I, I think that this... Honestly, I keep thinking about this. Actually, hold on. And hold I think on, I would on. like to see this as a movie more than a game almost from the time that we played it. Maybe it will be. Uh, you're at 15. I'm at 25. Combine, that's 40. Divide by two, 20 bucks. We're about close to that complete in box price, man, of $21.99 numerology it's always almost right yeah and on a podcast it's uh probably not easy to follow along okay so we didn't dude we didn't pick a game for next week uh let's oh 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 uh it's thanksgiving right not next week no no i know it's not it's november it's thanksgiving month not that i want to do thanksgiving month i don't have any turkey games um what do you think about you see in those ps3 games the uh Yaira Ninja Gaiden. It's kind of like an animated version of Ninja Gaiden. Okay. We should play that. All right. We will be playing that. That is what we're playing. I think, dude, I think it's like six or seven bucks for the game. All right. Well, we'll check that out and we will let you know next week uh, what we think. And of course, as we said earlier in the episode, find us on Spotify, iTunes, all podcast applications, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, we are at the Game Deflators. Outside of Twitter, which is at Game Deflators. I cannot believe I got that right for once. Ah, uh, you did, you did. All right. Well, uh, my name is John. I'm Ryan, and we are the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.